0: we've all had some days that we would rather not have had, you know where things oh, listen to that, things didn't quite go as as we thought perhaps they would or uh, should things that we wish we could undo uh, where, where something happens and we it just we just really wish we could have a do over that we could undo, maybe it wasn't something we did, maybe it 's just something that happened, and uh you know we can't though. So sometimes we do whatever we can do to to correct a situation, um, you know, whatever it is that made it a tough day, or we just adjust to the new normal, uh, the new normal of life with the change that we would not have chosen. You know, maybe it's a job loss, maybe it's some physical limitations that came along. Uh, the ones that seem to be the most difficult for us to adjust to, that new normal, is when it's a normal that we really don't prefer uh, you know, perhaps it's uh, you know a life-altering disease, or or we don't prefer the circumstances that brought about what's going on, that new normal, the tragic events, the death of of someone close to us, the death of someone uh, that means a lot. Um, often, we would simply just like to go to bed and wake up and find that everything is like it was. You know, that what was happening and what we were in the midst of isn't really what was going on, but that we would wake up and, and find out that life is back like it was. But the reality is that um, we know life will never be like it was. That something has happened and something has changed it and, and life will never be like it was. Easter is about a new normal. That's what that's what Easter is, and as we think about what led to Easter, we can see the disciples had to adjust to a new normal that they wished never happened. You see, we are on the other side, and we look at at a at a more complete story, if you will. They didn't; and they were in the midst of it, and, and as they were there, you know, it was something that they never wished would happen. Let's pray, and then I will I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Father, guide us to understand a little bit more what it means. Uh, when we talk about your broken body, your shed blood, when it talks about that, that crucifixion, when it talks about your your sacrifice and your resurrection. Father, we, we we don't always see it the same as maybe we should. So I pray that you would guide us as we look at your word, that you would help us to understand it, that you would help us to see ourselves in light of your word and our life in light of that as well. Knowing that you that you are God, and a little bit more what that means. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now I'm going to go through a lot of different passages today, and so what that means is you're going to get confused as you try to flip back and forth. All of them are going to be on the screen for you. Uh, you see, your bank, your um, outline is, is fairly blank. In fact, somebody pointed that out to me. Hey, there's nothing here, buddy. Uh, you know, that's good. You write down whatever God prompts you with, you know, as far as thoughts go. What I would encourage you to do is write down the Scripture passages as you see them up on the screen. Not write down word for word, you know, write down John chapter 1, verse 1, things like that, uh, to, you know, just to kind of help you a little bit. Um, and I, as I was thinking about this whole new normal, I was drawn back to the events really that started on Palm Sunday. Now, certainly we could say that, that um, the Apostles... For Jesus followers, a new normal began on the day that they met him. We could, you know, we could certainly say that. But as I think about this new normal that we're ushered into with Easter and thinking about Easter, to me it pulls back to Palm Sunday. Because I think that's where it began in earnest. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey and that they began, uh, that they began laying down their coats and and palm branches in front of them. Uh, and, And this is how it's explained in the Gospel of Mark. It says, Many people spread their robes on the road and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna! He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. The coming kingdom of our father David is blessed. Hosanna in the highest heaven. You see, this is what they were looking for. This is what they were waiting for. This was the moment. And as the disciples are, disciples are going in with him, and finally, they're saying, finally, he is being recognized for who he is. The, I, don't think we can, I don't think we can grasp the excitement that they had. This it was, it was something that was just coming up that they were waiting for. And now it was finally here. You know, something that you've been waiting for, waiting for, and then it's finally here. Think of a kid at Christmas. Think of of you. You know, when you know when you were a kid, and your birthday came along, and when you get a little older, and you know, sometimes it's not so much fun, but it's always nice to know you made it another year. Uh, you know, but well, it is uh, anyway. Um, you know, and, and or you know before you know before your wedding day before the birth of your child, whatever, and then finally you know finally you know it 's here this is the picture you have here as they 're coming in they 're coming in into Jerusalem, and they are now not the only ones recognizing him as as somebody special as the, as the, well some of them were recognizing him as the Messiah, some of them just weren 't quite sure but, but you know that 's what was going on well, then every evening. You know, every evening they they stepped back from Jerusalem. They were coming in. This was the preparation for Passover, you know, as they're there. And and every evening then they step back a little bit. Mark chapter 11 tells us, it says, you know, that he went into Jerusalem and into the temple complex. After looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And every night Jesus and his disciples, every night, um, stepped back a little bit this entire week. You know, in Jerusalem, there was preparation for the Passover. This was the big deal for them. Passover was the big celebration for the Jewish people. They were remembering that God spared Israel's firstborn in the plagues in Egypt when they were being delivered from slavery. Either one of those would have really been, to say enough, I mean, Either one of those would have been such a dynamic event for them. That their firstborn would be spared. As God told them to apply, to sacrifice that Passover lamb and apply the blood from that sacrifice. A very deliberate expression of their faith. As anybody could walk by and see that blood and say, ah, ah, it's one of those guys. But then to know the reality that came because of that, that their firstborn was spared while they heard all the weeping and wailing of the others who who, who didn't, who didn't, in, in faith to God, do a simple act. And that would have been enough to have your child spared. Oh, but God didn't stop there. Then He delivered them all. He delivered them all out of slavery. That's all they ever knew. They never knew freedom. They were born. That generation was born into slavery, and God's people had been slaves, and they had, were born into that. And all it got was worse. It didn't get better. It got worse, and then they were delivered from that. Either one of those would have been a great thing. The Passover remembered both of those. The Passover remembered it, what was what was theirs as they followed God, you know, and as God executed that last plague on Egypt, that they were spared that, and that they were released from slavery. And here Jesus comes as they're preparing for that and he's honored then he leaves that night he comes back he'd return to jerusalem each day to minister to the people and try to help them come to realize that he was the promised messiah he wanted them to know that time was running out a huge shift in normal was about to happen and he was trying to prepare them. Luke tells us, he says, During the day he was teaching in the temple complex, but in the evening he would go out and spend the night on what is called the Mount of Olives. That, that's an important thing. He, and he, you know because that's where he went to pray every night. It says, Then all the people would come early the next morning to hear him again in the temple complex. The week that followed Palm Sunday is one that's well-documented in Scripture as he harmonized the events of the four Gospels. You can follow through each day as Jesus ministered, you know, very powerfully. It was a pretty full week. There were lots of people that were touched. This was a very exciting week of ministry for the for Jesus' followers, for the apostles and all his followers, a very exciting week of ministry. Not only was he recognized at the beginning of the week, but then all of that went on and all of the teaching and it's, it's like, th- what, this is what they were waiting for. This is what they had hoped was going to happen when they first hooked up with him. The Jewish leaders, on the other hand, they were touched, but not in a good way. This is what we're told about them. It says, in the at the, the Feast of Unloving Bread, which is called Passover, was drawing near the week of preparation, and now the, the, the day of Passover itself was coming, and the chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death. You see, because they had enough. They had enough and they wanted Jesus out of the way and they wanted him out of the way at any cost. That's how, that's how intrusive they found him. And they wanted him out of the way. And the disciples though, the disciples were still expecting Jesus to step forward to take control, to overthrow the Roman rule, and to establish again Israel to a restored state of existence as a free nation and one of great power. They were looking for a new normal, but the new normal that they were desiring, you know, they were desiring this new normal of freedom for Israel and Israel in control. And they were excited because it was getting better and better, and it had been a good week of ministry, a good week, you know, with Jesus and his disciples, finishing it off then by celebrating the Passover together. We're told it says, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover so that you may eat it? Go into the city, a certain man, to a certain man, he said, and tell him, the teacher says, my time is near, I'm celebrating the Passover at your place with my disciples so the disciples did as jesus had directed them and prepared to passover now in the apostles mind this was a good thing not just celebrating passover but jesus letting them know here that his time was near because to them his time it was the time that jesus would step forward and would lead this rebellion against rome and would would put israel back in charge of their own country that was the new normal that they expected that was the new normal that they desired we kind of know a little bit of the rest of the story there, don't we? Because from a good start here, uh, things began to get increasingly troubling. The meal started out fine. The disciples found everything just as Jesus had told them. But then, uh, you know, they prepared the Passover meal. The rest of the apostles arrived, took their seats at the table, and as they all took their seats at the table, uh, you know, and the meal is really beginning to to kind of get going, get going. And, and they're looking forward to this and probably we're not told but probably talking a little bit among themselves about man can you believe it can you believe we're finally you know finally this is going to happen finally he's going to step forward finally and and they're, and Jesus gets up from the table walks over to the door and grabs that basin that's there by the door for their feet to be washed when they come in Their feet to be washed by the lowest servant. By the least important of them. Who should have taken that role and then washed the feet of his brothers and Jesus. And nobody did. So Jesus, the one that they're waiting to be the leader, picks up this bowl and goes over to his disciples. And as he goes over to them, and they're uncomfortable, and they begin to object, and they begin to, to protest a little bit. You can't wash my feet. You know, you, 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 know, you, can't, you can't do this. You can't wash my feet. And, and you know, so what, what started out as this celebration, now they, they have this uncomfortable moment there as Jesus walks around and does what one of them should have done. But they all overlooked it, all perhaps maybe they thought they were too important to be the foot-washing servant. Well, and after that's over, they sit down and the meal gets going again. And while things seem to be getting back to normal, then Jesus lays a little bit of a bombshell on them. So while they were eating, he said, I assure you, one of you will betray me. Well, that prompted a lot of murmuring and a lot of questioning going on, even arguing before them. First, they argued about who was the traitor, who it was who was going to betray him. They all asked Jesus, but, the other, but as you look at the gospel accounts, not only did they ask Jesus, you know, is it, is it me? But then they also argued amongst each other. I don't know if it was before or after Jesus told them, you know, it, you know assured him it wasn't, well, didn't assure all of them. But after he told them it wasn't, and, and then they began arguing about who it was who was going to betray Jesus. Well, then that, that turned into the, uh, that turned into, well, see, because I, I would just guess that part of that argument also included, you should have been washing this, why didn't, why didn't you, you should have been washing his feet. Well, then, you know, I could just see you going back and forth a little bit and, with me, what about you? Because then it, the discussion we're told turned into the fact of who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Now they weren't talking about Jesus, they were talking about all of them. And who it was, who's going to be Jesus, you know, who's going to be Jesus' number one guy? Who's his favorite? Who was it who was going to, who was it who was going to get this, this place of authority and this, this place, you know, to be along with him? Well, then the meal progresses and Judas gets up and Judas leaves to take care of some business the meal continues for us. Well, we knew he was a traitor because we read the story. But they didn't know that. I mean, had they known it? I mean, realistically, do you think Judas ever would have gotten out that door? Had the other disciples known that he was the one that was going to betray Jesus? Do you really think he would have gotten out that door? We already know Peter had a sword on him. You know, do you... But they said they thought perhaps he was going out to give a gift to the poor, which was a tradition in Passover. There was a tradition for them to do it during the Passover meal. And so they just saw this as, as, a, normal, as a normal part of what's going on. Jesus goes, Judas goes off, takes care of some business. That business was betraying Jesus. But the meal continues, and Jesus shares these elements of Passover with them, but Jesus shares words that were not the normal Passover words. You see, because these were the, some of the normal elements, but the words he shared were not the normal words that they were accustomed to. He says something here about the bread being his body, the wine being his blood, and this was just a, a little confusing to them. And something about a new covenant. A new covenant. They were doing something here that was fulfilling and remembering some of the old covenant, that old promise to God. That former thing. And so he's talking about, and he's talking, and they're, they're, they're just not making those connections yet. But they did, we know they did because that's why it's written down that we can see it. Because they did get to that place where they made that connection that was escaping them as they were sitting here at this meal together. Well, things continued to unravel a little bit. Jesus and Peter begin to have a discussion. It says then, Jesus said to them tonight, all of you, all of you, will run away because of me. And they did. It says, For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been resurrected, boy, they didn't get that one. I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter told him, Even if everyone runs away because of you, I will never run away. I assure you, Jesus said to him tonight, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, Peter had been a little outspoken at times, but he and Jesus seemed to have a very close relationship. I mean, the reality there, they understood that, that Peter was, you know, even though he was sometimes a little brash about that, he was, that, that, that there was a commitment there. But thinking that Peter could not be trusted, that's not what the apostles wanted to hear. If any of them could could be trusted, they would think it would be Peter. Well, finally, this meal was over. Not their typical Passover meal, but uh, now they're getting back to more normal activities. We're told they sung a hymn together, probably one of the Psalms that they that they sang again, a traditional part of the Passover celebration. Then they went to the garden to pray. We already looked at the scriptures where it said he re- went retreated to the Mount of Olives each night because he went there to pray. He went there often. We're told, you know, every night of this week before they went back to Bethany, every night of this week he was there and he was praying were we're told that as he was praying, the disciples fell asleep. Jesus came and woke them up. And he said, can't, can't you just pray with me for an hour? Can't you just pray with me for a little bit? And he went back and began to pray again. Comes back the second time and they're sleeping again. And he, he wakes them up. He goes back to praying again. And a third time he comes back. And he wakes them up. And here's where things really seem to go off track. Because as he wakes them up the third time, they began to know that things were radically changing. And a new normal was storming in. And there was nothing they could do about it. It says, while he was still speaking, a mob was there. And one of the twelve, named Judas, was leading them. He came near Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. But Jesus responded, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal? Every day while I was with you in a temple complex, you never laid a hand on me. But this is your hour and the dominion of darkness. They seized him, led him away, and brought him to the high priest. The disciples couldn't handle all this. Mark gives us the detail. It says, Then they all deserted him. They fled. They ran away just exactly as he said was going to happen. And so what was... A bad night just continued and turned into a bad day faster than any of Jesus' followers could ever have imagined. Matthew says those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had convened. Meanwhile, Peter was following him at a distance, right to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting at the temple with the temple police to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony uh, against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they could not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two who came forward stated, This man said, I can demolish God's sanctuary and rebuild it in three days. The high priest then stood up and said to him, Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. Then the high priest said to him, By the living God I place you under oath. Tell me if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said it, Jesus told him. But I tell you in the future you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He was giving them a glimpse of the new normal. Then the high priest tore his robes And said, he is blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? (coughs) Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? They answered, he deserves death. And they spit in his face. And beat him. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you. The Jewish leaders, the very ones who should have embraced Jesus, rejected him. Jesus was physically abused. Their normal was deteriorating fast and it only got worse. Jesus was then brought from the Jewish officials to the Roman officials. And he was brought before Pilate for a trial. And as they were accusing him and Pilate was going back and forth with them and Pilate said I don't I don't find any any guilt in this man. I find no reason for it. And they wouldn't have any of that. It says as Pilate was 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 looking for a way to release Jesus, it said one of their traditions was to release a prisoner. And so he thought, who could I put up against Jesus here? Who was a vile guy? Well, there was this one guy. His name was Barabbas. You see, and he was he was like the worst of the worst for them. He was a murderer. He, he was he was one who led a rebellion, and there's no way they were ever going to let anybody who led a rebellion go. They knew that, and so he brings Barabbas up, and he brings him before them, and he says, you know, which one of these guys should I release to you? Well, Matthew tells us, it says, the chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to re- release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Then Pilate said, What should I do then with Jesus, who is called Messiah? And they all answered, Crucify him! Jesus was rejected by the leaders. He was rejected by the people. And it continued to get worse. It says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the headquarters and gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him and dressed him in a scarlet military robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and placed a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spit on him, took the reed, and kept hitting him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Jesus' last hope here. And the disciple's mind was now gone. The political leaders, the one who had the opportunity to free him, wouldn't do that. And it says, then the soldiers led him away into the courtyard, that's their headquarters, and called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted a crown of thorns, and put it on him. Then they began to salute him Hail, King of the Jews! They kept hitting him on the head with the reed and spitting on him. Getting down on their knees, they were paying him homage. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe, put his clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. Even after the resurrection, the disciples never forgot this day. They never forgot this day. That's why they wrote it down. And years later, we have it to read because they never forgot that day. The Friday was far from good for Jesus' disciples, those who lived through it. Because you see, for them, things were so far out of control, it could never be put right again. What happens when your world explodes? What happens when your dreams are crushed? When you're here, they see their friend and their leader brutally killed. Well, what we do is pretty much what they did. You crawl into a hole. You withdraw. You know, that becomes... You fear your new normal. And I think that's what Jesus and his followers, what Jesus' followers were doing because we don't have a single word in Scripture about the Saturday between the crucifixion and the resurrection. There's silence. The death of their plans. The death of hope. The new normal they never Wanted. They were numb. They go into that following Sunday and it didn't start out well for his followers. They were still withdrawn. But things started to happen. It says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, uh, they, that's some of the women, they came to the tomb bringing the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? They asked them. He is not here. He has been resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? Uh, saying that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. Then they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them. And they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he, stooped, when he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths, so he went home amazed by what had happened. You see, they had moved from withdrawn to confusion. Still not a good place, still not where you want to stay, but they quickly moved on from that to this place of joy as they began to encounter the risen Christ for themselves. It says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb, so she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also, he entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, entered the tomb, saw and believed. For he still did not understand the scripture that he, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went home again. Well, then you know that day goes on and as that day progresses, and they still were a little confused, and they they were then started to go home. And a couple of the disciples were going home, and as they were traveling on on the way to Emmaus, they, they were met by Jesus. It says, but they were kept from recognizing him. So, but then as they went on and they invited him, they said, you know, come into our home, you know, for dinner. This was a traditional thing for them to do. They weren't going to let this guy out there at night by himself. And so they invited him into their home. And then, and then this is what we're told. It says, as they were, as they were eating together, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him as Jesus was breaking the bread and giving it to him. But he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, when our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us, that very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, they found the eleven and those who were with them the gathered together, uh, who said, the Lord has certainly been raised, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he had made known to them, It was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. They started out this day withdrawn and depressed, adjusting to what they thought was going to be their new normal, that they never ever wanted and then confusion was added to that when the women came in and as the day progressed they moved it began to move to hope a little bit they said could this be could this be could, could it really be and the day ends here in, in joy what a difference a day makes what a difference they again you know in a matter of three days had another new normal not what they had expected you see jesus was not going to lead this new day they were he spent the next month and a half telling them and helping them to adjust to this new normal. And then another big transition for his followers. It says, then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple complex praising God. You see, we will all face days we hate. We will all face days we wished never happened. We will have to adjust to a new normal, one we never expected, and one we may have thought we never wanted. But you see, the new normal that you never wanted can turn into the new normal that you never expected. But God had planned for you all along. Where are you in this process? Where do you find yourself in this process? Lay your plans and your expectations before Jesus. And as you yield your life to him, and as you yield your plans and your expectations to him, follow him into a new normal of life. And life will take on a joy that you never expected. Those of you who have been here regularly have heard me say it before. I have never regretted following Jesus. I have never regretted doing what he says. I have never regretted walking in obedience. Has it always been easy? No. Has it always gone as I expected? No. Have I, have I ever ended up in a worse spot? No, no, a different spot, but find joy that I never expected, a new normal that I never expected, the new normal, this new normal that Jesus brings to each one of us, new life, unexpected life in him. That's what Easter is about. Let's pray.